Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was perverting the people, and after examining him before you, behold, I do not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him, neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had third, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much over him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the people to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said, And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe upon him, and plating a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spat upon him and took the reed and struck him on the head. Pilate went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no crime in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no crime in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by that law we ought, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard these words, from but Jesus gave no answer Pilate therefore said to him you will not speak to me do you not know that I have power to release you and power to crucify you Jesus answered him you would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above therefore he who delivered me to you has the greater sin upon this Pilate sought to release him But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king sets himself against Caesar. 
When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, and in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never gave suck. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. The reading is from St. Mark, the 12th chapter. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them all well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribes said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to them, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You be seated. Jesus, as he confronts all of the religious leaders of his day, they got involved in this game of stump the carpenter to ask him a question to see if they could make him look foolish. But this carpenter was unstumpable. Now let's go back to the beginning. On Sunday, now he was, he was arrested on Thursday. So on Sunday, he came into the city in this triumphal procession that we call called Palm Sunday, he looked around and he left. That's five days till crucifixion, till arrest. Now on Monday, now it's four days. And he came back and remember, he turned over the temples and he cleared the temple and he chased out the, uh, the animals. And then after that, the scribes and the elders came to him and asked him, who do you think you are? 
who gave you this authority to do this into, in our temple? And he had that wonderful exchange with them. If you tell me whether John's baptism is from God or not, I'll tell you where my authority is from. And they wouldn't answer that because if they said John's authority was from God, Jesus would say, well, why didn't you pay attention to him? And if they said his authority was from men, he'd make the crowd angry because they liked John the Baptist, so they were shut up. Then came the Pharisees and the Herodians, and they asked a question about taxes. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus had them bring the, the, uh, the coin. Whose image is it? It's Caesar's. And Jesus said, well, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And then he added to that, which they didn't expect. And he said, well, but also give to God the things that are God's. And whose image is on you? Give yourself to God if you give your coin to Caesar. Last week, we saw the Sadducees come down. Remember that the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection because for them, only the first five books of the Old Testament were authority. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And they said there is no teaching of resurrection in those five books, and therefore, we don't believe in the resurrection. And Jesus pointed them back to the burning bush where God said, I am I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So there in in Exodus, we have teachings of of the the resurrection. Now, while, while this exchange was going on, Mark tells us there was a scribe over there somewhere paying attention to what was going on. And he's watching this game of Stump the Carpenter and he found that Jesus did, did pretty good. So when the Sadducees left, then this fellow came over and he asked, he asked a real question. He didn't want to put Jesus on the dock. He wanted some real information. And he had a simple question. Which commandment is the most important? Simple question. Now the scribes were the keepers of, of the scriptures for about 600 years from 300 B.C. to 300 A.D., it was the scribes who preserved the Old Testament. And so they had an interest in Scripture. And so there was this genuine question. Which commandment is first? Now you might think, well, you've only got ten to pick one, to pick from, right? Pick ten. Pick one out of ten. But the fact of the matter is, by this time there were 613 commandments. There were 248 commandments of things you were supposed to do and 365 commandments that you weren't supposed to do. It was a lot more complicated than you think. And so the scribes scratch his head and say, now, well, which one is the most important? And Jesus didn't turn to the Ten Commandments. He didn't turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5, where the Ten Commandments are written. He turned to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, where you find these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your might. Now, every Jew to this day knows this scripture. Indeed, they know it in Hebrew. I know it in Hebrew. It's called the Shema. And Shema means hear or listen. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Elonai Adonai Echad. Everybody knew that. This is the one commandment that they need to follow. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. But what's interesting about this is, is what, what the scribe responds. Because this is the scribe's response. You're right, teacher. You have truly said And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And what Jesus is saying here, what the scribe is saying, we're not interested in religion. We're interested in relationship. Because love is about relationship. You shall love the Lord your God. You shall have a relationship with God who loves you and you should love him because think of what he's done for you, led you out of Egypt. You shall love the Lord your God and not religion. You see, the the burnt offerings and all that stuff that the Jews did, that's religion. This is religion. And you need it. But it's very easy to hide behind religion. You can do all kinds of religious stuff and not have a relationship with God. You can be the most wonderful high priest in the world and do all the stuff exactly right and not have a relationship with God. Indeed, That's the danger of religious. You can walk in that door every time the church is open. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's a pretty hollow thing. And religion, than relationship. See, if you go into a barn, does it make you a farmer? And if you go into a garage, it doesn't make you a mechanic. But where do you find farmers? In barns. And where do you find mechanics? In garages. So that that the motivation behind doing religious stuff is the relationship you have with God. 
And that's what Jesus was teaching, and that's what I'm teaching tonight. The Christian faith is about a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the bottom line. Jesus Christ is Lord. And once you have that, then all the rest of the stuff that you do in his name is wonderful. This is wonderful. It's great to be here. And the motivation behind it is our relationship to Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus said, you want to know what the first commandment is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And you think about it this way. You will have no other gods. If you love the Lord with God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, you will not take God's name in vain. Because you love him. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, you will keep the Sabbath holy. You will find a place to go and worship. You will do that. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, you'll honor your parents. By the way, we'll honor their children. It's a th- for me, that's a two-way street. Oh, I see somebody looking over at mom and dad. <laughs> that commandment is a two-way street commandment. And if you love the Lord your God, of course, you won't kill. You won't commit adultery. You won't steal. You won't bear false witness against your neighbor. And you won't gossip about your neighbor. You won't tell tales about people. Because you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And if you love God that way, you won't want other people's stuff. That's what coveting is all about. Wanting other people's stuff. And if you got that right, if you, got, if you love God, you'll keep the Ten Commandments are a cinch. Because you keep them out of love. Now you remember that when, when uh, Jesus responded to the question about paying taxes, he gave them an answer and then he gave them another answer. He does the same thing here, because he not only gives them the first most important commandment, he gives them the second most important commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and he found that in, in the book of Leviticus. I don't know how he found it. Verse 17. You shall not hate your heart. You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin. You shall reprove, that is, you shall correct your neighbor, or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people. Kind of in the bottom of the page. Who can find it? But of all the stuff in here, Jesus picked these few words out and said, hey, here's the second most important thing to do. When you love God, you love your neighbor. That is to say, there is a love that goes, that goes this way. And then there's a love that goes this way. I'm in relationship with God and I love God. And then I look around and I love the people around me. And I'm well disposed 
to the people around me. Two commandments. Love of God, love of neighbor. It's simple, isn't it? Life isn't complicated. Love God, love your neighbor. St. Augustine, the great 4th century theologian, the next famous theologian after St. Paul, put it this way. I love this. Love God and do as you please. Please. 